You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. This morning we want to spend some time talking about the miraculous and talking about the risk factor that is most always associated with experiencing the miraculous. You know, one of the things I've discovered about humanity, uh, about us, is that we all want the miraculous, we all want the supernatural, but oftentimes we're not willing to take the risk that's associated with the miraculous. Maybe I could say it like this, we all want to walk on water, but we want to stay in the boat at the same time, you know what I'm talking about? We all want to have that experience, the supernatural, the miraculous of God working through our lives, but the security of the boat kind of holds us back. Now, I heard a humorous story a couple of weeks ago about a man who needed a miracle. He was touring the Grand Canyon, the midst of touring the Grand Canyon. He got too close to the edge. His foot slipped and he went falling down this cliff, which would have been to his sure death. So he's trying to grab whatever he can to stop his fall. In the midst of the fall, he uh, he reaches out and he grabs this shrubby little bush. So he's hanging on with both hands, um, and he looks up to heaven and, and kind of a panic cries, says, "Is there anyone up there who could help?" And a calm, powerful voice came out of the sky and said, "Yes, there is." And this tourist. Uh, pleaded, can, can you help me? And the calm voice replied, yes, I can. Do you have faith? And the tourist who had had this fall says, yes, I, I, I have strong faith. And the calm voice says, well, and in that case, simply let go of the bush and everything will turn out fine. So there was this long, tense pause, man hanging on to the bush. He looks back up and says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> and we're a little bit like that man. We want God to show up, but we, want, we don't want to let go of the bush. We want God to work the miraculous in our lives, but we want to stay in the boat at the same time. And again, what I've discovered, and I think what's clear throughout Scripture, is that if we're going to experience the supernatural of God, the miraculous of God, the greatness of God in and through our lives, it requires, it requires risk. And again, the challenge for us is we want God to work, but we want Him to make the first move. And could it be that he's waiting on us to act in faith? So let me ask you a question. This question kind of sets the, the foundation of what we want to talk about today. How many of you today would agree with me that the God we serve and the God we worship um, is able to do the miraculous? How many would agree that the, the God we serve is a God who has no limits? Like he can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. I mean, the the Bible gives us proof of this. I mean, you look at the Bible, and the Bible's full of what? Supernatural stories, miraculous stories. I mean, we we look to the Old Testament. We could start right at the beginning, the book of Genesis. God creates everything out of nothing in six days. I mean, you know, that's miraculous. We, we go to the book of Exodus. We have the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. There's these ten supernatural plagues. There's the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, we could talk about uh, Gideon, who in Judges chapters uh, 4, 5, and 6, God directs him to you know, cut his army down to 300 men, and there's 300 men that, that defeats over 100,000 Midianite warriors. Miraculous. We could talk about the prophets Elijah and Elisha and all this supernatural stuff that God did through those two great men of God. 
And there's story after story in the Old Testament. And it's similar. If we go to the New Testament, through Jesus and the, the disciples, I mean, there was, there's all kinds of like God stories. I mean, there's supernatural stuff like blind eyes being opened, lepers being healed, paralyzed people being restored to mobility, dead people being raised. I mean, the, the, the Bible is full. I mean, the Bible is, is like living proof that our God is a God of the miraculous. The Apostle Paul summarizes it like this in Romans 4, 17. I love this verse. He says, our God is a God who gives life to the dead and he takes things that are not and makes them as though they are. Your God, my God, is a God who does what? He gives life to the dead and he takes things that are not and makes them as though they, they are. And then in Hebrews 13, 8, we have this verse of scripture that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And we've talked about this in the past, but basically what that verse means is simply this. Who Jesus was, He still is. What Jesus did, He's still doing. Why? But He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He's still, what, the God who works miraculously. Now we believe this truth. Most, if not all of you, raised your hand when I asked the question, do you believe our God is a God of the miraculous? We believe, but I think if we're honest this morning, if we could have like complete honesty, we don't experience as much miraculous as we would like to. We don't consistently see like God's supernatural power released in and through our lives. I know recently I was just assessing my own life. I was having one of those early morning internal evaluations that I think healthy ever so often. And I, I came to this realization that I wasn't seeing as much supernatural as I wanted to see through my life. See, I happen to believe that God wants to do His work through our lives. I mean, Scripture makes that very clear. Yet as I evaluated my own life, I I wasn't seeing it like consistent. I, I pray some bold prayers and I see some miracles. Saw one just yesterday. I see some miracles. But if I'm, if I'm honest this morning, I pray a lot of bold prayers and I don't always get the answers to the prayers that I pray. I don't have as many God stories to tell as I would like to have to tell. Not for my honor, but for God's honor. Why? I'm fully persuaded. I know God's able. Why, why am I not? Why are we not, as a church family, experiencing the miraculous in a greater way? And what I'm confident of is that our God is the God of the miraculous who desires to manifest His supernatural power in our lives. We are, we're called, we're equipped, we're positioned to experience the miraculous. I mean, think about this. The supernatural of God is resident in your life. If you are a Christ follower, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, and the Scripture tells us that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you. So the presence of God, God is where? He's in you. And if God is supernatural, and we believe He is, then the God who's supernatural lives in you. So wherever you go, that's where God's at, right? So we should be naturally living supernatural. Why? Because we have the supernatural in us. Yet if we're honest in our assessment this morning, it's not happening a lot. And again, it was that that really drove me to ask the question, why? 
Why is it not happening? You know, in John 14, 12, Jesus said these words. He says, I tell you the truth. I'm going to the Father. You're going to do what I've been doing and even greater things. Now, in that statement, I think Jesus was obviously talking about the miracle of salvation. I, listen, in my book, I, I, I don't know if there's a greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. The miracle of a life being turned around. So I think Jesus was talking about the conversion of a soul. But beyond that, I think he was talking about like the very things he did, we should be doing. Right? So in the Gospels, let's talk about this for a moment. In the Gospels, what kind of supernatural stuff did Jesus do? So he restored sight to the blind. He, he, he raised the dead. Not only was he raised, but he raised the dead. I'm sorry, Cheryl. Delivered demon-possessed people. Healed the lepers. Healed the paralytics. I mean, there's several different passages of Scripture that says that Jesus was teaching all who came to him were healed of their, of their illnesses. And Jesus said what? Really, simply stated, Jesus said... I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to do what I've been doing and even greater things. Greater things. So, so, so my question again is, is, where's the greater things? See, I think to experience the supernatural of God in and through our lives, we must be willing to act. We must be willing to release faith. We must be willing to, to take risk. Hey, if you're not willing... To release faith, and if you're not willing to take risk, then you're going to miss much of the supernatural that God wants to work through your life. Let me say that again, really important. If you're not willing to release faith, if you're not willing to take risk, then you're going to miss much of the miraculous, much of the supernatural that God would want to work through your life. Listen, God's not called us to live reckless, but He has called us to be risk-takers. He's not, he's not called us to be foolish, but He has called us to live our lives like faith-filled. We have a great story, a great story recorded for us of some risk-takers who had the privilege of, of experiencing the miraculous healing power of Jesus. I referenced this story a, a few weeks ago, but I want us to come back to this story. I want to read the whole story this morning. I, w- I want us to see what we can discover from four men, four men who were willing to make a bold move. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. It says, One day he, being Jesus, was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Verse 20 says, when Jesus saw their faith. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline that phrase. That is the key phrase, the key statement in this story. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So get the picture of what's happening here. Jesus' popularity is growing. I mean, he taught with authority. Therefore, we have the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the common man was there. Why? Because Jesus was bringing truth, and people were drawn to the truth. Not only that, Jesus had been working like some miracles. He had been doing some supernatural stuff, like healing the lepers, open a blind eyes. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 20 talks about Jesus laying his hands on the sick, and everyone was healed. Amazing stuff. How many of you know when miracles are happening, when the supernatural is happening, it attracts a crowd, Right? I mean, people want to come and see. Now, this was the day before, like, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all that social media stuff. But word of mouth, like, traveled pretty quick. So here's Jesus in a house. Get the picture. Not only is the house full, but the yard's full. People's gathered. They're looking in the windows. Everybody's getting as close as they can to, to hear Jesus. In the midst of this, there's four, four men who bring their friend, their friend who's paralyzed. They, they've heard about the miracles. They've heard about what Jesus has done. And this is the thought they have. If we can get our friend to Jesus, his, his, his body will be restored. So they get him on a stretcher. They carry him, in a Jesus, they carry him to the house where Jesus is at. And when they get there, they run into a problem. And the problem is the crowd. I mean, like people are packed in and like no one, no one's going to let them through the crowd. No one's going to let them in. It's kind of like you're, you're trying to get on Interstate 77 and nobody wants to let you in. That's kind of the way it is with, in this story. There's the crowd. There's, I mean, it's a packed house. Now, at this point, the friends could have said, oh, sorry, buddy. Must not be your day. Too many people, too many obstacles, too difficult. We can't get you to Jesus. Maybe another day, maybe another time, uh, Jesus can pray for you. That was not their response. They became creative. They couldn't break through the crowd, so they said, hey, let's break through the roof. So they carry their friend up on the roof. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and Scripture doesn't say much about it, but I have to wonder, what was the paralyzed man thinking as they're carrying him up on the roof, right? But the scripture tells us they tear a hole in the roof, they remove the tiles, they let their friend down before Jesus. And Jesus, again, verse 20, very clearly says, Jesus saw their faith. He forgave the man's sins, he dealt with his spiritual problem first, and then he, um, he healed the man, the, the, the paralyzed man. So here's the man who was carried to the house on the stretcher, he left the house carrying his own stretcher. But don't miss, don't miss this again. The key to the story was the four men. The four men who were willing to take a risk. The four men who were willing to get out of their comfort zone. The four men who were willing to tear a hole in the roof. It was, it was that that Jesus responded to. And it was that, that that opened the way for the miraculous. Obviously the paralyzed man had the need. But it was the faith of the four men that, cap, that captured the attention of Jesus. And opened the way for the healing. Hey, the key to the miraculous, the key to the supernatural is always connected to our faith. It's connected to our willingness to, to, to risk, to act on what we're certain of. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith, faith is being sure of what we're hoped for and confident 
of what we've not yet seen. So, so faith is acting. Faith is, is taking a risk. It's taking a risk on what we know can be by the power of God, but has not yet come into existence. You know, oftentimes we think of faith as believing. You know, do you, you, if I come up to Brian and says, Brian, do, do, you have, do, do you have faith? Brian might say, oh yes, I, I believe. Because we've come to think of faith as, do you have faith? I, I believe in God. And I would say that's only one part of the equation of faith. Belief is certainly a part of faith. But if you only have belief, you really don't have faith. It's belief partnered with action that brings you to faith that captures the attention of God. It's not just enough to believe, not just enough to say, I believe. It's enough. What faith is, is I believe, therefore I'm going to act. I believe, therefore I'm going to move. I believe, therefore I'm going to tear a hole in the roof so that I can get my friend to Jesus. So faith that opens the way for the miraculous requires us to take a risk. So, so here's, here's some good questions for us to reflect on then this morning. Could it, be, could it be that we're not seeing the miracles of God today because we're playing it too safe? Could it be that we're not willing to take risks? Could it be that we're not willing to step out in, in radical faith? You know, I think of the story of, of Peter and the disciples they're in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, middle of the night, caught in a ferocious storm. A storm that's about to wreck the boat. In the midst of the storm, Jesus comes walking on the water toward the boat. And the disciples first think it's a ghost. They cry out in fear. And Jesus said, hey guys, relax, it's me. That's my interpretation of the text. Relax, it's me. And Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, man, invite me to get out of the boat. And Jesus said, come on, Peter out on the water an amazing thing is peter takes the risk peter leaves the comfort and security of the boat and he gets out of the boat and he does what he's never done before he walks on water miraculous the supernatural happens now there were at least 11 other apostles disciples maybe more in the boat who missed the miracle of the moment why because they chose the security of the boat over the risk of getting out of the boat they missed a miracle. Could they have walked on water too? I, I believe absolutely so. But only one man walked on water and it was Peter. Why? Because Peter was willing to embrace the risk. Again, you'll never walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. If you're not willing to take the risk, to embrace embrace the risk. So it's, it's really the challenge. When we think about the miraculous, for us it's the challenge of the risk factor. The challenge of the risk factor. So rather than giving you principles this morning, which I normally do, I want to just present some questions to you. Maybe something for you to think about in your own life. Because we all said we believe that our God is the God of the miraculous. We all said we wouldn't want to see more of that in our lives. So here's some questions to reflect on. The first is this. Are we willing to risk our reputation to see God honored in His power revealed? Our reputation. If we're not cautious, we could be more concerned with action that pleases people rather than action that pleases God. We can, get, we can get so caught up in trying to gain or maintain the acceptance and approval of others that we don't act on faith because we're afraid of what others might think. 
Let me give you a possible scenario. Let's say in your workplace or in your school, if you're in school, you have a friend and the friend has a need. Maybe it's a physical need, maybe it's a financial need, maybe it's a relational need, whatever it is, they have a need. And you're aware of the need and there's like this prompting of the Holy Spirit. There's this tug on your heart to pray for that individual right in the middle of your workplace or right in the middle of the schoolyard. There's a need, there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit and you don't move because you're afraid of what others might think. What did you just do? You elevated your reputation over your obedience. Again, really simple question. Are we willing to risk our reputation to see God honored, to see His power revealed? Here's a second question I think we need to wrestle with this morning. Are we willing to risk our schedules to experience the miraculous of God? What what I know, because I I struggle with with this one, this is really a challenge for me, is that is that the press of our schedules can keep us moving so fast and keep us so focused that we miss the God opportunities. Our schedule is moving us at such a rate that we, we don't make room for God's work. I know in my, in my own life, I can, I'm, I'm weird in this way in that I, every day I have a to-do list. And it brings me great pleasure and great delight to mark things off my list. Maybe you can identify with that. And so I create my to-do list every day and I aggressively run into the, run into the day to get everything done on my to-do list. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it, it doesn't, but it, help, it helps me stay focused. It helps me get things done. And I, I, a lot of folks would applaud that, but here's the challenge is many times I become so committed to my schedule that I don't make room for God interruptions, God opportunities. I miss it. And when, when I miss it, what, what am I doing? I'm elevating my schedule over God opportunities. Listen, this is one of the things I've come to discover. It's seldom ever convenient to have a God interruption. It'll mess with your schedule. It may wreck your day. It may cost you a day. It may cost you two days. It may cost you a week. I, I don't know. But, but here's the question. Are we willing to risk our schedules to experience the miraculous of God? Here's the third question that challenges us. Are we willing to risk our understanding of God to make room for what He might want to do? So let me explain this one a little bit. We all have a defined understanding of God, either through teaching and training, maybe through your own discovery, maybe through what you've experienced. But today, in your mind, in your thinking, you have a mental theological construct. You have, a, a, an, you have an understanding of who God is, and your understanding of who God is is defining how you relate to God. So are we willing to risk our understanding of God to open the way for God to work in a greater way. I had this conversation just a few weeks ago. I was talking with someone who had been trained, who had been taught, this was their theological construct of God, they had been taught that what happened in the book of Acts 
the dynamic, the supernatural, the Holy Spirit was only for the birthing of the early church and the book of Acts, and it was no longer happening in the present reality of our day. That's how they had been taught. So what? They had an understanding of God that fit into this box. Therefore, that's how they were relating to God. How many of you know God is bigger than our box? God is bigger than our theological construct of who He is. Matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 says this, that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways and His thoughts higher than ours. This is what I know. If we're not careful, we can limit God's work to our understanding of who God is. And at that point, you make God small in your life. So are we willing... To say that God is bigger than what we can comprehend. Bigger than what our minds can understand. And that we are willing to open our lives to to how He might want to work in our lives. So are we willing, again, to risk our understanding of God to make room for how God might want to work? Here's the final question to reflect on. Are we willing to risk our comfort that God might reveal His greatness? Our comfort for His greatness. The four friends went from carrying their buddy on a stretcher, which, you know, I don't find that, I don't think that would be difficult. They went from carrying their four friends on a stretcher to tearing a hole in a roof. Yeah, they were willing to risk their comfort that God might reveal His greatness. For, for Peter, it meant leaving the, the safety and, and comfort of the boat to walk on water. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys who were in captivity, it meant risking their safety for a furnace, but it was in the furnace that God revealed His greatness. For Daniel... Also in Babylonian captivity, it meant risking his political position as he took a stand for God. And as he took a stand for God, it took him into the middle of the lion's den. He discovered the greatness of God in the lion's den. But he had to give up his comfort to experience the greatness of God. I think of Queen Esther. She had to risk her position and even her own life. As she took a stand for what was right and righteous and God-honoring. And what God showed up in the midst of, of Queen Esther willing to step out of her comfort zone. And in that brought salvation, brought safety for all the Jewish people. One woman who was willing to get out of her comfort zone. Take a risk. And in that God revealed His greatness. What I'm confident of today is that we must be willing to get out of our comfort zones. And step into the risk zone if we're going to live in the power of God. Listen, as long as you're living in your comfort zone, you really don't need God. Let's, just, let's be honest. You got it all figured out. You got it all under control. You're managing just well all by yourself. Why do you need God? You really, you really only come to the place that you need the supernatural. You need the miraculous. You need God in like a way that you can't Perform on your own when you get out of that comfort zone into the risk zone. And it's then and it's there that God brings his greatness. Why? Because faith is not just believing. Faith is believing connected to action that moves us to tear holes 
and roofs. So are you willing? Are you willing to risk your comfort? To step out in faith so that God might reveal His greatness? And what I'm confident of this morning is is that in our day and through our lives, God wants to reveal His greatness. Listen, the days of the miraculous have not passed. We are living in the present reality of the days of the miraculous. Why? Because God has not changed. He's still the God who works miracles and He's doing it in our day. But there's a consistent pattern in Scripture that happens in the life of an individual that God wants to use. It happens in the life of an individual that God works the miraculous through. And this is consistent throughout Scripture. Four things, and I'll leave you with these. The first is is there's always the invitation. There's the call. God calls an ordinary individual to do something extraordinary through their lives. God calls an ordinary Betty do something extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous through an ordinary body. So there's, there's always a call. There's an invitation. The second, the second thing that we always find consistent throughout Scripture is there's fear. Why is there fear? Because God calls us to something that's bigger than we are, and it scares the living daylights out of us. It's bigger than we are. So there's always an element of fear. Like, am I going to get out of the boat? What's going to happen if I get out of the boat? So there's an invitation, there's fear. The third thing that there always happens is there's a decision. An invitation, fear, a decision. And the decision is either yes or no. Either yes, God, I'm willing. Yes, I'll get out of the boat. Yes, I'll tear a hole in the roof. Or it's no. No, I won't. In every situation, when, there, when God extends an invitation, there's a decision to be made. Will you participate or will you not? Will you experience the miraculous or or will you not? Fourth thing that's always consistent is a changed life. A changed life. Whether you say yes or whether you say no, there's a changed life. If you say yes, then the change is this. You grow a little bit more in your understanding of who God is. And God works in and through your life. Not only are you changed, but... Someone else's life is is changed in the process. But hear me, if you say no to the invitation, there's also a changed life. And that you become a little harder to move. You become a little more stuck in your comfort zone. You become a little more rigid and a little more resistant to the invitation when it comes. So there's an invitation, there's fear, there's decision, and there's a change of life. May we be those who say, yes, God. May we be those that open our lives in a greater way. May we be those who are willing to get out of our comfort zone and step into the risk zone. May we be those who are willing, so to speak, to tear a hole in the roof, if that's what it takes. So that God might reveal His greatness in and through our lives. May we simply be those who say yes. Listen, this is what we don't want to do. Listen, friends, we don't want to limit a limitless God. We don't want to make God small in our lives. We want to be those who live in such a way that we make God big in our lives. 
I want to leave you this morning with the words of missionary William Carey. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's challenged me for a lot of years in my life. It was William Carey who wrote these words, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. May that be true of us as a church family. May we attempt great things for God and live in expectation of God's greatness in our lives. May we be willing to live our lives in such a way that it opens the door for God's greatness to be manifest in our lives and in this place. A really simple question this morning. How many of you, and no manipulation here, but how many of you would simply say today, I want to be available for God to do something greater in my life, in this day. Lord, I, I pray for my friends this morning. Lord, as our hands are lifted to you, God, this is simply what we're saying today. We are willing and available. God, we're willing to risk our reputation. God, we're willing to, to risk our schedule. God, we're willing to risk our comfort to make way that you could bring your greatness in our lives and through our lives to friends, to family members, to the community. God, that you might reveal your greatness in this day, in our present reality. God, may we not seek out that place of comfort, but may we be willing to take the risk to tear a hole in the roof if necessary. I just believe as we live our lives in that way, God, we're going to have some unbelievable God stories to tell. So do it, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.